that's the measure. And your ability to do that well is completely dependent on how you're doing. How's your cup? Is your cup running on empty? Are you overwhelmed? Do you have nothing left to give? Well, if you don't, then there's a solid chance that you're not going to have the kind of relationship that you want with your baby, with your toddler, with your teenager, because you're depleted. I don't think that women get this enough that like, if you are fulfilled, if you have passion in your life, if you are taken care of, if you're getting enough sleep, if you love yourself well, that's what makes you a better mom. It's not more books. It's not more classes. It's not more YouTube videos. Are you doing okay as a human being? Because if you're thriving, your relationship with your child is going to blossom. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. I grew up in a home that was very conservative. And, you know, there was a certain way women were meant to behave and girls were meant to behave. And one of them was you definitely always wore a bra. And it really wasn't until COVID when we all got to work from home and realized the beauty of that, if we were blessed enough to get to do that, how, how magical it was. And then I started just never wearing a bra. And then when I went out, I didn't want to either. So basically I'm living my life trying my absolute best to just wear like baggy shirts. So I'm not being inappropriate. I did steal the shirt from my boyfriend today though. Tracy Chapman. I wish she'd go on tour again. I wish she'd, I, I spent a, Fair amount of time recently just Googling, what is she doing? How is she? She looks so cool. She always did, though. Tracy Chapman is cooler than any of us will ever be. Okay, guys, I did something I don't normally do in that I just like turned on the equipment and started recording and figured I'd do whichever podcast episode I was excited to do once I got here. But <laughs> this is probably dumb. But I, for the first time in, I'm not a horse, uh, for the first time in years, I bought lipstick or whatever this is. And um, it felt like a really big deal. This is not an ad. You're like, Rachel, we get it. Stop saying it's not an ad. Um, but I went to Sephora recently. I'm going to say a bunch of brands right now, guys, not an ad. If you're listening to this on podcast, if you want to actually see the lipstick I'm talking about, it's over on YouTube. YouTube, hey, how are you? If you're here, go ahead and subscribe to the channel. And you know what? If you're listening on podcast, subscribe too. There's a point to this, guys. I went to Sephora because I needed some moisturizer for my face. And if you get my Sunday email, then you know there's a specific brand of 
a sunscreen moisturizer that I really love. They have it at Sephora. So I went in to grab a bottle. And when I was walking through, I saw a display for Charlotte. Is that her name? I think it's Charlotte Til Tilbury. Oh gosh, if you're like a makeup person, you're probably laughing at what a dummy I am. But I think it's Charlotte Tilbury. And I have a couple of things by that brand and I really like it. And so I thought, oh, well, um, they had marketing that really worked. It was like, this was the color. It's called Pillow Talk. And they had it in gloss, lipstick. This, I, this is like a, not a stain. I don't know what this is. Hey, makeup people, pretend this is a YouTube makeup what is this? You probably know better than I do. Um, but anyway, they had this at Sephora and the marketing was so good. It was like the best selling color of all time. It looks good on every single person. And we've sold a gajillion of these. So I fell for it. I bought it. So for me, I like it because it's not that much more than my regular lip. Again, if you are watching this on YouTube, you can see it. If you want to see it, go to YouTube. In any event... I like it. It, you know, all makeup is so freaking expensive now. I don't wear a lot of it. And then I'm always shocked. I think this was like $35 or something, which I guess if we're going to go based on how long something lasts, I guess that's okay. Cause well, at least for me, cause I wear it so rarely, I feel like this tube of lipstick will last the next um, 12 years. I like to think friends that you're just somewhere doing something else while listening to me. That is what I assume. I don't assume that anyone's like paying super close attention. I assume that you're like doing the dishes, walking the dog, you know, in the waiting for your kids after school or whatever. And you're just listening to this and you want someone to talk to you because I get that I, I ramble a bit. If there is something specific you would like to know, like I was on my YouTube today, I was on the channel and I was looking and what I find so interesting is I think, and I know it's my stuff, but I think that my podcasts are, I hope, and my intention and my heart that the podcasts are the best work that I do. I, I really try and bring great content to that, and this is a podcast episode, but I do upload them on YouTube. And what I think is so funny is that the podcast episode on YouTube do like fine, and then random videos that I did a year ago about like my morning routine or, you know, day in the life, stuff like that. Maybe it's just that's how YouTube works, but those are the ones that have a gajillion views. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to stop fighting it. If there's something specific that you're like, not just, you know, to be a weirdo, like, oh, show us your feet. Uh, but if there's something specific that you think it would be helpful if you could see, like I personally personally feel like it would be very helpful to me if The Rock showed me like a real day in his life. Like if he made a video for us and he was like, this is what it really looks like. No BS. Here's me getting up at 3 a.m. By 3.30, I've got that chain around my neck and I'm like doing pull-ups. You know, I have, this is what I'm eating. This, like, I just would really love to know, like, what does it take to be The Rock? Same with like Shonda Rhimes. Like Shonda, what what's a day in the life being Shonda Rhimes? Not with like the PR spin, but like the real life. If there is something like that, that you think it would be really helpful for you if you could see how I structure something or do something or you, you're going to call the hotline or you can call the hotline. To be honest, I know that you guys DM me and you put 
uh, comments, but I don't always see those because there's so many. If you really want me to create something or if you really want to ask me a question, the best way to do that is to call into the hotline that we have for podcast. So that number is 737-400-4626. 737-400-4626. Call and be like, Rach, show me this. Rach, make a video about that. I would love to create content that serves you better. Uh, I just want to know what that is. So when I get, um, for those of you who are uh, podcast hosts or creators, I, I basically get into like a flow state and then I'll map out a bunch of episodes at one time. Uh, it's great until I want them later and then I can't figure out when on earth I did that. Oh, I got it. Okay. I found the page. So this conversation is a request specifically from a listener. She called into the hotline. So it works out that we're talking about that. And she said she's a new mom. She's, or she's about to have her first baby. She's pregnant. She's excited. She's nervous. She's all the things. And she's like, Rach, what, what do you wish you had known? Like, what are the things that if you could go back in time that you wish you had taken with you? So this advice is for any any people dreaming about being a mama, anybody who's pregnant, please send this episode if you know someone in those categories. Also, if you are a mom, these are things that you might still not know. You might still not know that uh, this is a, a perspective that'll really help you. So most of these, all of these are mindset ideas. These are not like, oh, I wish I had known about this diaper or this bottle brand. This is specifically like, if I had understood this perspective shift, it would have made the process so much more enjoyable. So that's what today's episode was about. It wasn't about lipstick. It wasn't about going braless. It was about, it is about motherhood. And I just, yesterday was Mother's Day. And I, that's my 15th Mother's Day as a mom, which feels amazing and crazy. It's all gone so fast. I have a 15-year-old, a 13-year-old, a almost 10-year-old, and a 5-year-old daughter. I have been a foster parent. I have adopted a child. I have lost a baby in utero. I have tried international adoption. I have, I'm an auntie. I'm, um, to both children I'm related to and just children who are, you know, nieces and nephews of my heart. And so that's the perspective that I'm bringing to this conversation. I think beyond sort of what you may know about me from my brand or my books or whatever you've gleaned, I think I probably also, Something that you probably pick up if you can see what I look like right now. And maybe if you've read my books, some of my earlier books, you might not tap into this. But I am, I feel like I'm sort of like a modern hippie mom. Not like full hippie, not like I have my own chickens or I make my own tinctures, but I'm a pretty, I guess I, I guess I feel like I'm a nice blend between raising solid members of society who are really good kids. They get great grades. They're kind people. They can be jerks, yes, but they're good kids. But also I'm a bit hippie in that 
you know, I, I went to a, a my first appointment with my oldest son. We had to meet with his guidance counselor in high school. And basically he's a freshman and they wanted to map out the rest of um, his high school career and what his plans are. And he is a, he's not even a straight A student. He's above that. He is one of the most driven kids. He's like, his GPA is like 4.4. So it's crazy. I didn't even know that was possible. It's so different than how I was in high school, but that's Jackson. That's who he is. And in this interview, they were talking about, okay, what do you want to do? And he has had it in his head and his heart since he was little that he wants to go to an Ivy League college. And he said that a lot. And I know that that's one of his desires. But even in that meeting where I think most parents would be like, this is amazing. Like this kid's killing it. And he wants to be, to go to, you know, Stanford or he wants to go to Harvard or whatever. And the guidance counselor is like so into it. And she's like, yeah, this is great, Jackson. And we'll come up with a plan. I was like, um, right. But also, um, you know, just like, how's your heart? And do we do, I mean, I am an achiever. I'm an Enneagram three, but I also, this is, I think is like where the hippiness comes in. I'm like, but also maybe you want to travel the world for a year. Maybe you want to backpack through Europe, or maybe you want to go to a college that you'll have more opportunity to discover who you are in your heart, not just you know, have this really intense workload. And um, so I, I don't know what exactly to call myself, but I think um, I'm, I just want you to know that as we go into this conversation that I'm definitely not, I know lots of moms who are obsessed with their kids' grades, where their kids are going to go to school, what's going to happen. And I just, I don't, I really don't have any worries about that. I've never been worried about what college they're going to go to or how I, what's amazing to me is that I don't worry about that at all. I worry about their hearts and who they are as people. And my kids are all awesome scholastically. So for whatever that's worth. All right. Stop talking, Rach. Let's jump in. Things I wish I would have known about motherhood. This is an answer to Brittany's question. Okay, so the first thing I wrote, these are in no particular order, but the first thing I wrote is there is no right time to decide to have your first baby. There's no right time. Someone told me this years ago before I got pregnant. I think it might have been my ex-mother-in-law. Um, she told me this, like, hey, it's never going to be the right time. And I actually think it was really sound advice because you are never going to be all the way ready to bring another human being into this world or adopt another human being or become a step-parent or whatever parenting looks like to you, you're never going to be 100% ready. I think that people trick themselves into believing that like, oh, there's a certain a time, I think, that you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm enough of a grown-up. I've figured out how to be a human being so I can confidently help another human being get there. I, I just, I don't think that's true. And I wanted to say this one in case you find yourself on the fence and you're not really sure you have the desire in your heart to have a baby, but you're like, well, I don't know. Is it the right time? Never going to be the right time. So interestingly enough, I wrote, there's no right time 
But there's definitely a wrong time, I think, to have a baby. Wrong times to have a baby when you're trying to save a relationship, when you think that it will make someone commit to you in a deeper way, when you think it will solve a problem, when you are not sure what you want to do with your life. And so you think on some level, oh, well, maybe it's now's the time to become a mom. I promise you, you will have such a better time, meaning like you will. I'm trying to, I'm, you know, y'all, I'm trying to say this in the nicest way and there isn't one, so I'm just going to say it. It is so effing hard to be a mom. It is beautiful. It is the greatest joy in my life. I am obsessed with my children. I am so grateful for them. It is still the hardest thing in the world. And it has been the hardest thing in the world since I got pregnant with my oldest son. So it's already going to be hard. Don't add like emotional baggage to the process by thinking that a baby is going to fix something. So there's never a right time. If you feel like in your heart, you want to be a parent, freaking go for it, go for it. But there is a wrong time in that don't think that the baby is going to solve anything because it is just going to make what already feels hard so much harder. Uh, the next thing that I said that I wish I had known about motherhood is <laughs> I wrote, calm the hell down and just enjoy it. Calm down. <sighs> you just, especially when your kids are younger, toddlers and babies and newborn, like we just put so much pressure on ourselves to get it right to have the answers, to know what to do, and really, truly just enjoy it. Do your best. Do the best that you can today, and tomorrow might be better. Tomorrow might be worse. Tomorrow might be a total crap show. That's what this process is like. Y'all, think about this. It is hard enough for us to know how to take care of ourselves. Like I'm 39 years old and I am still actively trying to figure out how to be a better human being. I'm still actively trying to figure out like, how do I feed myself in a way that feels nurturing? How do I talk to myself? How do I love myself? What's the right exercise to do? What's the right skincare? What's the best lipstick or whatever? Like I'm still trying to figure it out, right? You are too. So what makes you think that when you add another human life into that mix, now you don't just have to figure out your stuff, now you also have to figure out theirs? Of course, that's going to be daunting and confusing and overwhelming at times. But if I could go back in time and just like give, you know, younger Rach with a one and a half year old and a newborn, if I could give her a hug and tell her anything, I would just, I'd give her a hug. I'd hold the babies for a while while she takes a really good nap. And then I'd be like, just sit down on the couch. Sit down on the couch, hold this baby, watch Bravo if that's going to make you feel better. Go on a walk. Like I would just encourage her to do things that bring out joy in the journey instead of thinking that there's a right way to mother. Because believing that there's a right way means that likely most of the time you're going to think you're not doing it the right way. 
you're going to think that there's something wrong with how you do it. So if I just could go back in time, I'd be like, just find joy in this. Find joy in like, oh, this like little baby, like you're, you know, they say that those people are like, oh, you're going to spoil the baby. Like, don't let the baby sleep. No, you got a newborn. I would just live with that baby on my chest. Like there's going to be a moment where it's, you know, in a crib, then a toddler bed, then a regular bed, then like it really does go so fast. Not when you're in it. When you're in it, it feels like it's taking 1 million years. But now looking back, like I cannot believe, I know I had a dance recital this weekend and you know, last year was her first dance recital and she was so nervous and she was so unsure and you know, on Saturday she had this dance recital and she was so confident on stage. She just, I mean, she's five. So you guys can imagine what kind of like dancing it was. This is not like fancy, like, oh, we're ballerinas. It was, this was like just sweet little whatever. But I was like, even in a year, she has progressed so much. It's wild. It goes so fast find joy in it. I don't want to just say like, enjoy it. Cause that feels, I think for me, if I was back in time and like exhausted and unsure and whatever, I think that that would make me feel maybe some shame because I would be like, well, why don't I enjoy it? So I'm not saying enjoy it. You're supposed to enjoy it. Enjoy it. I'm saying find joy in it. Find pieces in your given day that feel joyful because if it feels hard, the thing that's going to make it feel better is finding parts of it that you like. And nobody said that to me as a new mom. Y'all have maybe heard me talk about this a lot. I bet it's one of the things on my list because, yeah, it's one of it's number five on my list because I say this to new mamas all the time, is nobody told me that some parents, some moms like certain ages of children better than others. So when I had babies and toddlers, I was so over, I love babies. I want to hold your baby right now. Give me your baby. Let me hold it. Let me squeeze its cheeks. I, that person, I will hold your baby for you. But when my children were that age, I I loved it, but I also just found it very overwhelming. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like hate it, but I wasn't, I, you know, I always think of um, my sister-in-law, Kirsten. She just loves, loves it, loves, lives, loves it. And I used to have shame when I was younger because I was like, why don't I love this? Like Kirsten loves this. And because I was comparing, and we all know comparison is the death of joy, especially when it comes to motherhood. When you compare yourself to another mama, you are robbing all the joy of your actual motherhood experience. So when I would compare myself to her, it would just make me feel you know, this big, like a piece of crap, like, oh, I should love this. What I didn't know, and I really want you to hear me say this, I'm going to jump forward in my notes for you is if you have toddlers, if you have babies and you're like, I don't love this and it scares you because you're like, oh my gosh, I don't love being a mom. Give it a minute. My journey in motherhood 
the older my kids got, the more I loved it. And I've never loved it as much as I love it today. I think teenagers are the most fun. And I actually, I do want to speak this to people. I had so many people like still today who are like, oh, teenagers are the worst. Teenagers are drama. Or I'll tell them that I like, and they're like, well, yeah, but wait till you have a teenage girl. Like they'll be very wary of any parent who is giving you, who's like telling you what your future is going to be if it's negative. If you're talking to another person, they're like, oh, this is going to be amazing. Like you're going to love this. It's the best time ever. Listen to that person. Don't take advice or listen to the opinions of people who are telling you that it's going to be awful because people try and do that. I've noticed this a lot. This isn't really about parenting. This is about life in general. I have noticed so much lately how often human beings try to control someone else's experience by putting their own experience on top of them. So I love having teenagers. I think it's the most fun. I am pretty tired of driving everywhere. I I did not know that I was going to be an Uber. Like I did not know how many miles I was going to put on my car when I had multiple teenagers. And I cannot wait until my oldest can drive because I'm about to make him. I keep telling him that I keep telling the older two boys that they should start something called Boober, which is brother's Uber. And they just you know, they're like, we get them to an age where they have a solid driving record. I don't know. I don't even know if this is allowed. I don't know what the rules are in Texas. But like, imagine they're like seniors in high school. You know, Jackson's very, you know, he does a good job and he's very good at driving and he's very responsible. Like, I'm like, I'm telling you, there are other parents that need someone to pick up a middle schooler for them and would happily give you $20 for that. I don't know. I just, that's possibly a business thing. You guys are going to be like, that's illegal. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, I love having teenagers. I never could have envisioned that. When I was drowning in overwhelm and feeling ashamed of myself because I didn't love being a mother of toddlers, I never understood that if I would just give it more time, that I would feel more confident, that I would feel more secure, that I would be better at it, and that they would get more fun right? They would be able to talk. They would be able to tell me stories. They would be able to have things that they're into that we could share experiences together. So I just wanted to tell you that is like, it gets better. If you if it's feeling really hard right now, it gets better. And I don't know your story. I don't know your kids. I don't know the context of your life. But I like to believe that if we focus on what we want the truth to be, then that's what it will be. So if it feels hard, just keep telling yourself it's going to get better because it will. The next thing that I wish I had known, because this took me a while to learn, is to ask for help. Ask for help. Accept help when it's offered. Ask for help. Ask for help. Ask for help. And if you can afford it, pay for help. I hope that this has gotten better. I hope that social media has shown people more different types of parenting. And so it. I hope that it has normalized having babysitters, having nannies, having grandma come in if you can to have support. Back when I started blogging, there weren't a lot of 
types of moms really showing their stuff. It was just kind of like one mom, right? It was like, you know, her hair was blown out and she had perfect makeup and she was doing the thing. And there weren't a lot, it seems so silly now, so antiquated, but this is 2022 and I'm talking about 2009, 2010. When I would talk about being a working mom, when I would talk about having a babysitter, people would like try and destroy me. And I didn't have a very thick skin about putting content on the internet. And so it would destroy me. Some random stranger in like, you know, Milwaukee would be like, you're a bad mom. You're not with your kid 24 hours. You are a bad mom. You don't deserve, like they were crazy. And I would read that comment and just spiral and be so sad and cry forever. And I couldn't understand, like I would try and problem solve, like, okay, wait, how do I, how do I, work and also take care of the kids at the same time. And like my mom didn't, you know, like I knew people who had family members who lived nearby and they would get help from grandma and grandpa. We didn't have that. And my husband at the time worked full time and nobody ever said anything to him for having help with childcare. So it was really confusing. I I didn't know better. I wish that I could go back and tell her, like, you, not only are you allowed to have help, but you should ask for it and you should accept it when you can. And when I say accept it when you can, I think that sometimes as women, we want help and we want it to show up in a very specific way, right? We want our partner to help with the kids, but we want them to help and do it exactly how we would like it to be done. And if they don't do it exactly how we would like it to be done, then we don't find it helpful, which is garbage. I really honestly believe that your partner, like if you're raising children with someone, that they should be allowed to parent in a way that feels good to them. And that means even now when I'm parenting with someone I'm no longer married to, the parenting styles are very different. And they were very different when we were married. But always it's sort of been like, you know, is it how I would do it? No. But who says that I get to decide the exact right way? As long as my kids are healthy, as long as they're being taken care of, as long as they're being you know, fed and clothed and reminded to take a shower and whatever else needs to happen, then that partner should be allowed to do it the way they want to do it. Now, quick side note, I do think that there's a fair amount of frustration that happens when you are the parent, which is like 99% of the time, it's usually, if it's a heterosexual couple, then it's usually the woman who is not always, but usually the woman who's taking on more of the parenting duties. And so it's very fair to feel frustrated, to feel bitter, to feel sort of abandoned in that process. If you're doing all the hard stuff and the partner's just doing the fun stuff, that's a whole different conversation. I I literally, I'm not even kidding. I was Mother's Day yesterday and we were at brunch and my nine-year-old is a really special kiddo. He's like creative and sort of all over. He's a little like butterfly and he's all over. And he's he said, you know, mom, I used to not, or how do you say it? I used to think you were kind of rude. And I was like, 
That was like Mother's Day brunch, you guys. My nine-year-old just told me that he used to think I was rude. And I was like, what do you mean? And he said, I just used, to, I, I feel like you, when you and daddy were together, you just used to like, always you like made us do things. And, you know, he was like explaining this. And I know what he's saying. He's nine. He's not explaining. I know what the context is, but I'm like, oh gosh, how am I going to explain this to a nine-year-old? And my 15-year-old looked at him and he said, you don't get it. Someone had to be the responsible one. And I was like, wow. Um, it was a huge, like, number one, like, we don't really talk a lot about that because I want to be respectful of their feelings about their dad. And, you know, I want him to still be in a place of esteem for them. But it was amazing to me that at least my oldest got it and understood it. And when he said it to Ford, Ford was like, Oh yeah, no, that makes sense. He's like, yeah, you're right. You're right. The rude, rude isn't the right word. It was just, you were the one who like made us do our chores and you were the one who made us go to bed. (laughs) And so I say that because I understand what it feels like to have to be bad cop and that you don't want to be bad cop. Like you want to be the one playing. You want to be the one that's silly. It would be great to be the one that's like, yeah, eat all the candy. Don't brush your teeth, whatever. That's a very different situation than you do have a partner who's trying really hard and you belittle their parenting style. You belittle the help because the help's not showing up in the way that you want it to. Be very careful that you don't put your sort of picture-perfect ideal of what this is all supposed to look like and feel like for everybody, that you don't take your ideals and put them on other people because that's also not fair. You know, I, I told you at the start of this, like find joy in this journey and allow, if you have a partner, allow them to find joy in the journey. Maybe joining the journey for them is like they want to you know, wrestle on the floor with the kids or whatever. They want to like rough house and the kids are laughing and giggling and you're like, oh, they're going to get hurt. They're going to get hurt. They're going to... You parent in different ways. That's the beauty of being in a partnership with someone. So as long as it's not creeping into unhealthy, like I mentioned earlier, this idea that you're taking on more. If, if you have a partner, a mother-in-law, a mother, a sister, a friend who's like trying their best to help you, just say thank you. Say thank you. If you have, you know, your mother-in-law keeps offering to come over and hold the baby so you can take a shower or take a nap, but you don't want her to know that you don't have it all together. And so you keep saying no, like knock it off. You have people coming, you know, let's say you have a new baby and they're like, they want to come over and visit. Yeah. Come over and visit. I'm got, you know, milk on my shirt. I'm wearing sweatpants. The house is a mess. Like, yeah, you can come over, do a load of dishes while you're here. Maybe bring us some toilet paper. That'd be awesome. Get us one of those Costco pizzas. We'd love that. Like ask for help. I finally got to a place when Jackson was a baby, he's my oldest, when he was a baby, that I started, um, I hired a mother's helper. So I didn't have a nanny right away. I didn't have a babysitter. I had someone who came two hours a week for like three hours or something. And 
it just gave me time. I didn't even leave the house. It just gave me time to like, she would take care of Jackson and I would, you know, take a shower, do laundry, catch up on stuff. I think if I was going to flip it, if I was going to go back in time, I might actually flip that a little bit. Like I might actually try and have someone come and do laundry and do those things while I was with the baby. But there were times I remember where like it was so exciting for me to have someone sit with a baby while I, you know, took a shower and shaved my legs or while I, you know, put on makeup or just did something to try and make myself feel more normal. It was really helpful. So for whatever that's worth, and if this is if this helps, I found my mother's helper through another mom in my neighborhood. So she was using her three days a week. And I just asked around and someone was like, oh, we have this great person and she needs two more days. And it just worked out so beautifully because I had another mom that I trusted who had already vouched for her. So I felt super comfortable before she even walked in. And yeah, she worked for the other family three days a week and then me for two days a week. So that's how I started. And I am hyper aware that not everybody can afford childcare. And it's just super blessing to have it, which is why I say, if you can't afford it, then do it. I, I, I know a lot of people who can't afford it, but won't allow themselves to get it because they think that it makes them less of a mom if they don't do it all by themselves. And I think, you know, the measure of your motherhood is what is that relationship with this being that the universe and God has charged you with taking care of? That's the measure. And your ability to do that well is completely dependent on how you're doing. How's your cup? Is your cup running on empty? Are you overwhelmed? You have nothing left to give? Well, if you don't, then there's a solid chance that you're not going to have the kind of relationship that you want with your baby, with your toddler, with your teenager, because you're depleted. I don't think that women get this enough, that like if you are fulfilled, if you have passion in your life, if you are taken care of, if you're getting enough sleep, if you love yourself well, that's what makes you a better mom. It's not more books. It's not more classes. It's not more YouTube videos. Are you doing okay as a human being? Because if you're thriving, your relationship with your child is going to blossom. Guys, if you are still here, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast because lots of you are joining in and listening in and we want to make sure that you never miss an episode. So just hit that subscribe button and we'll make sure that we are always hanging out with each other. My next piece of advice is you 100% manifest great kids, great relationships with your kids and great kids. You. 100% are manifesting your enjoyment of this process. You are manifesting your kids and how they show up in relationship with you. You are manifesting. Let me explain. If you have not listened to episode 222 of the podcast, I want you to find it on YouTube or I want you to go back and uh, listen to it on podcasts wherever you get this content at. But when it comes to parenting, you bring energetically to your relationship what you expect it's going to be. 
There's something in psychology called the Pygmalion effect. This idea is basically that human beings will rise to the level of expectation from people around them. Let me say it again. Human beings will rise to the level of expectation from the people around them. So if you have someone that you don't believe in, that you sort of think is not going to be very smart, not going to go very far, like if you have an employee on your team and you're like, oh, they seem like, you know, they're a bit lazy, you have this preconceived notion of who they are, you will treat them in a certain way. The way that you treat them, even subconsciously, will affect the output. The same thing happens with our friends. The same thing happens in our relationships. People will rise to the level of expectation that you have for them. The same can be said for our kids. So when it comes to manifesting, manifesting says, then law of attraction says that we don't attract what we want into our lives. We attract what we are. So if I am in a stage, actually, I will tell you a very specific story about how I realized I was doing this in my parenting. About a year ago, I was in a really hard place with my daughter. She was really struggling to go to bed at night and she would just throw a fit. Like she's very strong-willed. I laugh all the time. I'm like, yes, God, you did give me a daughter that has as strong a will as I do. I see you. I get it. I This is my greatest teacher. This is my mirror. Thank you for all of it. But when it's like the, you know, 50th night in a row of her throwing a massive fit at bedtime, it's really hard to see that. I just feel frustrated. I didn't feel good about the process. And I was just like, I would dread it literally, we'd get through dinner, we'd get through bath, whatever, and i just start to dread it in my body. Like, here it comes. Here comes the tantrum. Here comes the screaming. Here comes the whole thing. I'd start to feel all of these emotions. And I was reading a book on manifesting at the time. It wasn't talking about parenting, but it was talking about how we show up in relationship with other people. And I realized that I energetically and vibrationally, I would already be worked up about what was coming at bedtime before we got to bedtime. There's no way that I can energetically be stressed and anxious and already like annoyed about how she's going to act at bedtime and not unintentionally give that energy to her, right? If I feel like my daughter is the most loving, beautiful human and she's sassy and she's this and that and bedtime she gets a little, you know, sassy or whatever, if that's my attitude about her, I'm going to treat her and the bedtime experience very differently than I would if I'm like, my daughter's a brat, my daughter's this, my daughter's that. She's hard to manage. She's hard-headed. She doesn't listen like In both scenarios, I can be describing the same kid, but one of those is sort of celebratory of who she is, loves her for where she's at, and gives me a certain feeling in my heart, and another one makes me feel really negative about the process. And depending on what I am putting out, even though she was four years old at the time, she's going to pick that up. The same can be said for a teenager. If you think that your teenager is the class clown, If you've got a teenager who's like, yeah, he's the jock, but he's not really like the studious one, 
you are going to treat him in a certain way. You're going to talk to him in a certain way. You're going to emphasize certain things. Oh yeah, let's like, you're going to talk to him about baseball and making sure he's, you know, doing great at that. And you're not really going to worry as much about how he's doing scholastically because you've already decided who he is. And the way you are treating him, the expectation you have of him is what is setting up his response. So I say this just to be mindful. This is so powerful for those of you who have a child right now that feels very challenging for whatever reason. And there's a million different reasons that could be happening in your life. No matter what the reason is though, if you are in a hard season with your child, it can always be made better by a shift in your perspective of them. If uh, I'll tell you, this is a really powerful thing that I realized with Noah. I was so frustrated about bedtime. She would always throw fit. She'd always scream. You know, her brothers, they would they argued with us a little bit when they were first in their, you know, big boy beds, but eventually they just they had a bedtime and it was fine. And then I have this daughter who would just throw an at, she'd be fine. And then the second that it'd be like, all right, here's the 1,000th hug and kissing you. And yes, the light's on in the closet and you've got, you're good. You've got all your stuffed animals. You're, we've sang the songs. We did the prayers. We did the 45-minute bedtime routine. We're headed out the door and she just start freaking out. And the way that I thought about it was I thought, oh, this is a battle of wills. This child is trying to challenge me for dominance. I mean, I feel like an idiot saying this, but I'm just being super honest with you guys. This is what was in my head. I'm like, this is a battle of wills and she wants to win. And every time that I give her an inch, she takes a mile and it's getting worse. And then I read this thing about manifesting and I started to ask myself better questions. If you're not getting the answer that you want to anything in your life, start asking better questions. So I was like, okay, how could the opposite be true? I don't know if you all have ever heard me teach on this before, but when I'm stuck in a situation or I'm feeling a certain way, I like to ask myself, how could the opposite be true? So if I believe that she's being really difficult and this is a battle of wills, how could the opposite be true? What could be happening with her right now where she's not trying to be defiant? What's the opposite of that? Okay, well, the opposite of that is that there actually is something wrong. There's something could be potentially wrong. Maybe emotionally she's going through something and she doesn't have better tools. She doesn't have the language. She doesn't know how to explain to me that something's wrong or she's feeling a certain way. And so she's reacting with anger because that's all she's got at four years old. And so I was like, okay, wow. If that's what's true, if she actually is hurting or she actually is struggling, but she doesn't have the language and I'm just reacting with more and more anger. We're never going to get to the bottom of this. Like I would talk to her dad and he'd be like, yeah, it's the same when she's over here. And we would, we tried everything. We could not figure out how to help her. And then asking this question shifted my entire focus. And I thought, okay, she's adopted. Noah's adopted. And I was there. I cut her cord. I was there when she was born. She has been with me since the day she was born. But that doesn't mean that there's not trauma when you are separated from your family of origin, when you're separated, when that biological 
bond is not in place the way it should be between a mother and a baby in utero, there's going to be emotional baggage from that. There's going to be separation anxiety. And that, I mean, I'm getting chills, even just this like process of going like, oh my gosh, she's reacting in this way, but what if it's separate? What if it's, and and I'm not, obviously I'm not perfect. And I have to tell you that even going down this rabbit hole still made me go, but she is behaving so badly. She is behaving so badly. She's literally making everybody in the family miserable with her behavior. And I just, there was a part of me that wanted to like force her to behave the way she should. And I just kept coming back to like, but what if the opposite is true? All of that to say, the very first night, and I mean the first night that I just tried the opposite approach. I said, okay, what if this is separation anxiety? She doesn't have the language for that. Literally, my hand to God, you guys, the very first night after months of fighting, battling, she's screaming, like the whole thing. The very first night I said, hey, Noah girl, at the end of reading a story, we're gonna say our prayers, we're gonna sing our song, we're gonna do the whole thing. Mommy's gonna lay with you while you fall asleep. If you will do your best to fall asleep quickly, mommy's gonna lay with you until you fall asleep. Y'all, this child was asleep in 10 minutes, literally in 10 minutes, because all she wanted was someone to just be in the room with her. But because I was so up in my head about the way it was supposed to be or the way that her brothers were or how it was supposed to be, that I couldn't. I didn't understand that I was making the situation worse because I had already decided why she was behaving the way she was. And that was, I mean, that was last, that was got to be six months ago. And to this day, every single night of her life, I lay in bed with Noah while she falls asleep. And she is usually asleep within 10 to 15 minutes. And it's actually a really nice time for me. I lay up there and pray or meditate or, you know, just lay there quietly until she's asleep. And it, I'm not exaggerating when I say that it changed our lives and it changed everything for her because she felt more secure. She woke up in the morning happier. She did better at school. You know, when you have a breakthrough like that as a parent, there's a part of me that feels like dumb that I didn't figure it out faster. But if I had kept parenting the way I thought I was supposed to, instead of stepping back and asking how I was contributing to the situation, I don't think I would have ever gotten to that resolution. And I really do ever since then try and approach situations and ask like, what do I, what am I believing about this child right now? What am I believing about this experience? Because if I think that working a full day and then making dinner for my kids and hanging out with them in the evening is exhausting, then it will be. If I think that, oh my gosh, I'm so lucky that, you know, I don't have a ton of energy right now, but I'm so lucky the kids and I are going to like watch Sing 2 or whatever on the couch later. Like both of those are the same experience of what's actually happening, but they feel very different ways. So I just wanted you to be mindful because I didn't get that when I was a younger mom, that my 
perception of how the child was behaving or how I was going to feel in the moment absolutely affected the way they acted. That last story illustrates my last point. Uh, For anybody who has more than one child or has, um, maybe you're thinking about having another kid that I didn't know and I know for sure now is that not one of my kids is the same and not one of my kids is parented the same way. That story about Noah really shows it off well, that if you think that you're going to parent all of your kids in the same way, you're just setting you all up for disaster. You got to get to know each kid and what works for them. And there are things, you know, I probably wouldn't have as a younger mom ever decided to lay in bed with her while she fell asleep because I had a very preconceived notion and because her brothers didn't really need that. But the best thing that you can do is, yeah, arm yourself with information and get ideas But focus more on that specific child who is in front of you right now and understand that what worked for them six months ago might not be working for them today. Meet them where they're at. You know, it's like, kind of like I said at the beginning of this conversation, I'm not really worried about where my kids are going to go to college. I don't care what their jobs are. I care that they're happy. I care that they're emotionally doing really well. I care that they're good human beings. And I think that I'm best able to do that when I am focused on who they are as individuals. So those were all my ideas, (laughs) or at least what I came up with on that particular day on what I wish I had known about motherhood. And I want to thank Brittany for the question. I hope all is going well with the pregnancy and the new baby, whatever stage you're at in the process. If y'all have a question, you want me to make a podcast, you want me to tell you something, make a video, just let me know. You're going to call the hotline, 737-400-4626. Thank you guys so much for hanging out. I hope Uh, this was helpful to you and I hope you'll share it with someone that you think it might be helpful to as well. I will be back next week with another episode. As always, remember, I love you and I'm rooting for you. The Rachel Hollis podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble.